Good morning, good morning. And we are live on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Good morning to you. Thank you for joining us on Coffee Time. For those of you who are returning to the show, welcome back. We always love having you. Um, if you're new to the show, welcome as well. And, they, and, and why don't you give us a, a little hands up or a thumbs up in the chat so we know you are new. Um, I want to encourage everyone who has joined us today to please go ahead and subscribe to my channel or the channel of your choice, wherever you're watching us from, whether it's uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, or YouTube. We will go online every Thursday, usually at 10 a.m. Eastern. Um, however, today we're a little bit off schedule. We, we had a scheduling conflict, and so we are live on today at, on Tuesday. Uh, but uh, so go ahead and subscribe to the to the channel or the page that you are watching us from um, so that every Thursday when we go live, you will be aware. Uh, just to, uh, a quick uh, introduction. My name is Maureen Tarosian. I'm a certified public accountant and a charter global management accountant, an experienced auditor and a CFO. Um, I'm a CPA advisor and transformation coach. I use my proprietary um, uh, method, Valuation MT, to help business owners uh, go from their first million to 10 million and more. Um, I'm also an author of a couple of books, uh, The Business Owner's Guide to uh, Business Owner's Guide to Operational Accounting and The Complete Guide to Business Growth, uh, which is available on Kindle. I will be putting both links on the chat, so make sure you, you grab the, the, the ebook or, or the one on Kindle and um, learn some of this, the tricks and strategies that I use for my uh, clients. Um, with me always is uh, my featured guest and my tax colleague, Pedro Gonzalez. Pedro, good morning. Good morning, Marie. Good morning, everybody. Uh, happy to be here on, on a Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Pedro Gonzalez, your business and tax strategist. Uh, I have uh, this uh, ebook that, uh, again, we're getting some good uh, feedback. Uh, the Real Estate Investors Tax uh, Strategy Guide, uh, where we share, uh, we talk about legal entities, what we call the millionaire tax strategies, uh, audit proofing techniques. Ooh. If you want to learn how is it that you know, the, the wealthy gets wealthier through real estate. There's a way to do it. Uh, and we share some of them through this uh, ebook. Uh, and, um, and and it's free. The link is available. I encourage you to, if you're really serious about into, you know, looking into real estate, real estate investing, I encourage you to, to get it. It's a free ebook. And it will give you some introduction and good points uh, on how to improve uh, your situation. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so excited about today. But before before I, I tell you guys what we're going to talk about today, I just want to go back and kind of review some of the, the, the great conversations we've had, me and Pedro, um, and, and, and definitely has helped our audience greatly. And that's about, you know, we've talked about self-employment, related taxes. We've talked about due dates. We've talked about and we've been done a series on tax planning, what it entails, anywhere from life insurance, uh, SEP, IRA and every possible piece that you can think of. Uh, we've also talked about partnership agreements. We've talked about uh, taxation uh, when you are getting ready to, to purchase a business. And today we will be talking about real estate investment. Ta-da! Exactly. <laughs> and which is perfect because, you know, uh, you know, uh, 
we, we just uh, talked about, you know, um, Pedro's book, and it's literally about real estate investing uh, 101. And from that, we're going to talk uh, bits and pieces about what real estate investment is all about, uh, how is taxation, depreciation, cost segregation. These are little ideas yeah. that we're going to give you today. So with that, I'll open up the floor. So Pedro, can you please give us like the first 101 on real estate investment and how can someone an average individual that just wants to start getting into this real estate investment, how do they start doing this? Yes. Uh, okay. So before we get started, as always, I tell you that, you know, we discuss uh, legal uh, matters uh, where I'm not a, a, an attorney, but I have some at least understanding. I always encourage that anything that is on a legal matter to be discussed, reviewed with an attorney. We have wonderful attorneys as part of our team that can also help you in assessing the proper legal structures. Now, Absolutely. what uh, what I would like to, to start is with a little question that I also ask some, uh, some people when they get into uh, real estate. You know, we, we have met people through uh, either together individually, you know, that you see them frustrated with real estate investing. And so, you know, in one of the questions that, you know, do you feel like you don't have control over the amount you pay on taxes? You know, I mean, that, and, and that tends to be an issue that, you know, uh, that they see that they're into real estate, but they don't see like a, it's not happening the way it's supposed to be when I, I was told to invest into real estate. Mm, so interesting. Yeah, th that, that's what kind of got me. I'm sorry. No, that's interesting. That, yeah. You know, some of it's just. I was told to invest. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you you read and you, you know, I'm sure you know, you have seen YouTube videos of, you know, yeah. becoming a gazillionaire in real estate, but somehow you get you, you jump in, you take the dive and and you don't you don't see it happening for you. You know what I mean? So you see all these other people supposedly it's happening for them, but it's not happening for you. So through the our uh, tax programs uh, that we design for our clients is uh, you can get started then is to have that control. That's kind of what we have done is is to hone in into the real estate, real estate taxation and investing how to truly bring that to you in a way that you can maximize the the uh, the taxes uh, and the, the tax uh, uh, loopholes, if, mm -hmm. uh, if I may say that, you know, that can help you. So if you're not uh right now if you're if you happen to be i'm telling you if i look at your return if you are in real estate you're investing in real estate and either you or your spouse can qualify as a real estate professional and you still paying too much in tax i can tell you it usually boils down to two things either you're not investing enough in real estate or you're taking you're not taking full advantage of uh, tax loopholes and this mm -hmm. is what again our you know the smart tax program that we have uses uh, business and real estate in the overall methodology on how then to bring uh, build wealth uh, uh, through the areas of uh, real estate, uh, combination of legal structures and uh, maximizing your tax loopholes. One of the things we discuss in the book, I'm gonna give a couple of uh, tidbits on the ebook that we have. And one area is depreciation. Uh, which is uh, to me one of the, uh, if not the best, or probably one of the best uh, friends uh, of real estate investors. <laughs> Fortunately, not utilized properly. It sometimes gets uh, neglected. It gets, uh, you know, it's something like people not 
I think what happens is a lot of the real estate investors do not understand it. And so, and a lot of the uh, preparers uh, make assumptions and that's the problem. You know what I mean? You're not really, this is an area that you can maximize, but you're not utilizing it properly. So depreciation uh, is valuable because unlike the, any other rental uh, uh, expense, uh, you don't have to incur more expenses on that once uh, you incur the initial cost. I mean, you made the initial investment. So like repairs, if you want more deductions to repairs, you have to continuously incur cash outflows. Absolutely, yes. The depreciation is a one-time investment. If you did this correctly, which we're not going to get into that part, but that's leverage. You probably didn't put, you know, the $400,000 uh, initial investment in the property. Most likely is that you finance. If you did this correctly, is that you finance right. it. And so you're taking a deduction, even though you didn't pay the whole $400,000 initially, but you're taking that deduction. So this is, you know, this is why it's so powerful. Because right. you can then, by combining the the, the uh, leverage, and then you take acceleration of depreciation, and you are putting together two very powerful strategies to then uh, reduce your 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 taxable income. So, but what I wanted to kind of bring to your attention is, you know, about depreciation. Something in particular that uh, again, at times, what happens it gets misclassified, and that is because there's a difference depending on the nature of the property. And you know, if you're new into real estate, sometimes that doesn't, you know, you hear about certain things about depreciation, you know that there's, uh, they're supposed to be taking a certain portion per year, but you don't really understand it. So to give you a little bit of uh, uh, a synopsis here about what happens is that the, yes, the depreciation is taking annually, but two uh, properties of the same amount can have different results. Uh, you know, for example, if you own a motel with a depreciable basis of a million dollars, you will probably get approximately $25,600 approximately per year of, of depreciation. Now, if you own an apartment building with also a $1 million uh, depreciable basis, your depreciation will calculate somewhere around 36000 Now, you wonder, okay, so why the difference? Yeah. Why, you know, they're both the same amount. Why do I get different uh, numbers? And that is recovery periods. It's a, it's another element that the IRS puts into, into the difference is recovery periods. And that is because the motel and the apartment, while they're both uh, real estate uh, properties, they are not being depreciated at the same, uh, uh, what we call life, they're the same period. The life, life of the, the building, yeah. Correct. Yeah. One is treated as a commercial and one is treated as a residential. Commercial properties are 39 years, uh, residential 27 and a half. So that's one thing that you have to keep in mind. Obviously, the longer the period of depreciation, the smaller the depreciation, the shorter right. 27, then yeah. you get a little bit larger depreciation. Now, the with that said, now what I would like to bring up then is what then constitute residential? Because again, uh, you might think is, you know, it's evident. It has to be a house or something like that. But you cannot start realizing that not necessarily uh, residential. You know, when we look at uh, what, if you go by the definition, <laughs> 
what the IRS uh, uh, states is that uh, it is, a, and I'm going to read it because I want to make sure I don't misquote it, but it basically what he says is that is a building or other structure for which 80% or more of the gross rental income for tax year is from dwelling units. And you're like, what? They make it so complicated, right? <laughs> Not he's not telling you, listen, <laughs> he has to have a roof and he has to have, uh, I don't know, a toilet and a, and a kitchen. No, it doesn't say that. What he says is that it is, has. <laughs> so you're probably going like, what? what? And then on top of that, now <laughs> they are throwing something else and it's called dwelling unit. What the heck is a dwelling unit? <laughs> because, and that's what causes a lot of the confusion and a lot of the, you know, and that's what we do. We delve into this. And I'm going to share a little bit, you know, how the process we go through, because you know, okay, so we go into, uh, you know, OK, so now we identify that there's two, at least two types. You're going to have residential, you're going to have commercial and depreciable yeah. property, because obviously you have land. But right now we're focusing on depreciable property. So you're going to have commercial, you're going to have residential. Now, if I want to know what is residential, residential, OK, so we find, define what is residential. Residential has to have at least 80 percent of the gross income has to be from what they call dwelling units. OK, so what is dwelling units? So dwelling units is basically what we consider to be has to have, uh, in essence, a certain level of accommodations uh, that is basically a house or an apartment that provides, uh, in essence, uh, uh, it cannot be in what it, what it is. It says it does not include then a hotel, a motel, or any other establishment <laughs> that is transient in basic. Transient, transient yeah. basic. So See, they continue it, it, going. You're going through a little spiral. You get yourself dizzy. But yes. basically, is yes, a, a residential. Basically, what it's going to be is uh, something that has to have a, a, a long-term uh, basis, yes. you know, kind of be mm -hmm. transient. So that's one thing, one key. And I, the reason I'm going to bring this up because it kind of, it kind of makes sense a little bit later. So it cannot be transient. It cannot be a hotel. It cannot be a motel. Uh, and one of the questions then is what about a, can a boat be a residential? Ah, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Can a boat, because a lot of people, especially here down in Florida, Miami, they may have really nice boats that they live on. Correct. Good one. So I'm not going to give you the answer. If you want the answer, call me. <laughs> <laughs> but but you can see then when the definition that there's provided, that's why it doesn't say a, a, a roof, it does not say that you have to have a certain number of bedrooms. It actually doesn't even say bedrooms. Yeah. So, so what about a motorhome? You know what I mean? So, uh, but I think you get the point. You know what I mean? So then later, so go here. Now it talks about transient. It says it cannot be a motel or hotel. Now, then what is a transient? What What is transient use? Now, there's an older definition that's still being used, and uh, even though the IRS has, in essence, removed uh, that terminology, but in essence, what it is is uh, it cannot be if if uh, a unit that has is occupied for less than thirty days. Okay, that's why you you know when you go to hotels, if you're gonna have a long stay, it, it causes a little bit of a complication for them. They have to do certain paperwork to make sure that if you're gonna stay there for longer. You know, because uh, the, the reason is that, you know, the transient use, 
they might have to move you to another another room or something like that to make it then to for them to comply to be stay still be yeah. a hotel now why do i uh, bring up we went from the commercial versus residential then we went into okay so what is residential we discover okay residential as a dwelling unit what is a dwelling unit then within the definition dwelling unit brings up the term transient use because it cannot be transient if you're going to be now a residential now what is it that's becoming very popular in today's environment The, Airbnb. The, mo the mobile work. And Airbnb. The, uh, yeah. the Airbnbs and all that. Yep. Exactly. Now, I can assure you that a lot of people right now have misclassified their Airbnb properties. Because according to the definition, it, if it's transient, it cannot be residential. Mm-hmm. So if someone has an apartment, a nice condo, mm -hmm. right on the water, and they're Correct. Airbnb-ing it, it's not a residential property. It cannot be residential because of the short-term leases that they're going to, because that's the whole model. That's the platform of the Airbnb or anything that is in that platform of short-term rentals. Now you have converted something that, that's why I said, you know, it's not what you may, may think. Yes. You can have two properties. Now, well, let's go back and now let's not talk about a hotel versus a, a, a house. Now, you have two houses side by side in the same neighborhood. One is being rented on mm -hmm. a short term. Another one is rented long on term. long term leases, year yeah. leases, the typical leases that people do. So Marie has now two properties and the same neighborhood, one side by side. She's renting one on a on some sort of platform like Airbnb. Another one is uh, long-term leases, one is going to be uh, residential for her. The other one is going to be commercial. That's amazing. Yeah. And um, I can assure you a lot of people right now have misclassifications in there. And that's a risk because then, again, we, we talked uh, before, you know, the amount of audits are going to come up. Yes. Uh, yes because yes. they're yeah. revamping that area. And these are areas that they're discovering. They they probably know different areas they're going to be targeting, and that's mm -hmm. going to be one of the depreciation. They're going to be looking at those things, and if you have a Airbnb type of models, I will encourage you to make sure that it's properly classified to prevent uh, your exposure to unnecessary headaches. Um, but you know, the going along with the depreciation and why is the depreciation, uh, your friend, if you're into real estate investing. Again, it provides you, a, in essence, cash flow. You know what I mean? Uh, because then what you're taking is, if you can classify as a real estate professional, mm -hmm. which is another topic that, of discussion that can, we can go further, but this is another area that we look into. Can you classify as a real estate professional? And the reason is because now you are not capped at the 25,000 losses. You know, real estate uh is considered a passive activity except for a real estate professional now mm -hmm. if you're not a real estate professional your losses 
are capped to 25,000. So you have, let's say, $100,000 of revenues on, on rentals. You have $125,000 of expenses, including depreciation. Yeah. You have $25,000 of losses. You can take that. And I'm going to make it very simple without getting into other uh, topics of, you know, your AGI or anything like that. Let's assume that you can take the whole 25,000. Now you can take that against your wages, your ordinary uh, income. Sure. Now, what happens if you're a real estate professional is that you're not capped by that 25. What happens if you are not a real estate professional, but instead of 125,000, you have $150,000 of expenses, meaning you have now $50,000 of losses, then you can take 25. The other 25 is suspended. It's not, you don't lose it, but you cannot use it. Right. You can take it the following year. Correct. And that's why some, some individuals, you're going to see that they have these suspended losses. they got to continue accounting for these suspended losses. And it's mm -hmm. critical that they, they do that. And if you, again, if you have in this situation where you have a lot of these suspended losses, to make sure that your accountant, your preparer is, is tracking this because you don't want to lose it. You, know? sure. you didn't use it in year one, but you can come back later and, right. and you have either a big windfall, you're going to sell the property, and now you can use those suspended losses to offset. So yeah, yeah, so makes sense. Uh, that's why it's critical that all that is done properly. Uh, but if you are a real estate professional, then, then you don't, you're not limited by, by, that, by that amount of losses. So... You know, it, it's beyond of the, the conversation that I wanted to have today about depreciation, but it's another area that can be, you know, when you combine the depreciation, uh, the real estate professional status, if you can classify. And, and something I wanted to mention about the real estate profession, some people assume, well, I'm a realtor, so I, I'm, am I a real estate profession? Well, you're a professional in the field. But for tax purposes, you might not be a real estate professional. That's the difference. I mean, people assume, you know, uh, I have investments in, in uh, limited partnerships in real estate. I'm a, am I a real estate professional? Not, not necessarily. There's some specific rules that you have to follow to be able to classify. Again, I'm, we're not going to go through the details, at least not today. If you want to, again, know more, that I know in the ebook we talk about it. And, and uh, if you're really interested, I would suggest a, a consultation because, again, there's Absolutely. some very specific areas that has to be looked at. And we do that. We go through, if you're serious about real estate investing, we look and see, do you qualify or how can we help you qualify? And what things needs to be documented so that you classify as a real estate professional so then you're not limited by those laws because now you know again this is that you have to be in essence serious about investing and not just have one property here and then now i'm the son i'm a real estate professional it doesn't work that way uh, but again uh, the other aspect i wanted to discuss today in addition to just depreciation is the acceleration of depreciation using cost segregation yes. that's a tip number three so we talked about depreciation your your real estate professional status if you can classify that that can give you some open doors for you for larger deductions and number three is the uh, cost segregation cost segregation uh if you have a, again a, a good portfolio of real estate i would encourage you to to uh, at least take it into consideration what well, we have found that it does pay off that's an investment you have to make because then uh, you have to pay uh, for, in essence, an analysis, a cost segregation studies. 
and this is usually done by an engineer. They're going to go through and pick it apart. A building is not just uh, a building has components and those components can be depreciated at a shorter life. Mm-hmm. Windows, uh, certain, uh, sure. you know, sure. certain, you know, there's certain parts in there that you can take and depreciate and, and the report will say, you know, what the different lives uh, they will fall into. Or, or right. Types. Yeah. I mean, the depreciation schedule could be massive. Correct. I mean, you like going back to that example of the million dollar property, if you don't do yeah. a cost segregation, you might have and, and, and uh, you know what most of the people will do is that they will go most of the tax preparer, they will use a rule of thumb uh, of 80 20. Like, I would not suggest you do that. But I know that it is done. And I can yeah. assure you, if you go through the depreciation schedule, you'll see that usually the split is if they have not done an actual study, or uh, they usually go 80, 20, they put 80, 80% to the building, 20% to land. Everything else. Yeah, because let's say if if the uh, the owner actually changed, let's say the AC units, right? So that's a massive investment. That's a separate right. line and it right. could be uh, depreciated as, at a different rate than, you know, the, the window upgrades or, you know, changing the whole, uh, let's say, changing the roof, for example, exactly. uh, you know, the roof upgrades or, the outside, you know, walkway or internal carpeting or something like that. Each one is it's a separate type of an improvement. Exactly. You know, when you buy a, a building, let's say, for example, you buy yourself a, a, a fourplex, you know, so it has a little a little building structure. It probably has some landscaping, has the land, has mm-hmm. a parking lot for the four units. All of that, it's probably you bought it for, let's say, the million dollars. You know, and unless you pick that apart, what happens is we're going to take this whole million dollars. We're going to let's go ahead for now and say 800,000. Let's say it works out to 80, 20. So then you're going to take 80 percent, 800,000, 800,000. We're going to go and depreciate that over 27 and a half. Now, I can tell you that without doing a cost segregation study, landscaping, the landscaping area is is 15 years meaning you know you have a shorter life the parking lot is another depreciation and so you can see that that why is it important to to go as a very minimum you know i mean just see if in your uh purchase agreement if those can be segregated now most of the cases cannot be yeah i mean sometimes you get this lump sum number and that's why the cost segregation study is worth it i mean to go and get yourself a cost segregation study especially if you have multiple units and if you're serious into this, is to accelerate that depreciation using cost segregation. Yes, yes, absolutely. And 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 we work with different professionals that are very specifically focused in cost segregation as well. So in different areas of business. Yeah. yeah. So right there, you know, you have a couple tips in there. If you're uh, even if you're new into the cost uh, into the I'm sorry into the real estate investing, is again look uh, uh, for professionals that can help you. Uh, maximize. I say again, when I see that, that somebody's into real estate and mm-hmm. they're not uh, achieving the the goals of that should be achieved uh, through real estate investing, is typically either that they're not either they're not properly set up, they're mm-hmm. not investing enough, or it's going to be that they're not utilizing the tax uh, strategies available. That you know, we'll call it tax loopholes, call it tax deductions, tax strategies that are all available. And it usually boils down to that. It's going to be that they're not maximizing, they're not utilizing it properly. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And then something we had mentioned earlier, we were talking about, you know, sometimes it could be as simple as, you know, uh, 
sometimes they need this tax strategy sometimes they need expenses to manage their 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 real estate and sometimes they're just probably not even uh charging the proper market rate possibly for their business so there's so many different types of analysis that can be done to make sure that you know your real estate prop you know uh, investments are actually providing the cash flow that you're expecting them to correct to be analyzed in many different ways to ensure that you're getting the most out of accounting and tax uh strategies to help your real estate investments actually bring you the cash flow that you're 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 expecting correct correct you know and and now uh, in addition to the tax strategies the other aspect is uh you know you and i have talked to this in multiple this the financial analysis yes you know what i mean that that uh you know for example here in south florida market having high vacancy is you know you gotta wonder why why is this happening how can it be in one of the hottest markets that we have yes how can you have uh, uh, vacancies the other one like you said is market market rates i mean are you charging the market rates uh, that um for for the area you might be fully occupied but maybe you're not cash flowing it may be because uh you're not charging market market rates you have not done a, a study a market study to to bring your your rates uh, to market level so those are kind of you know ways to a, a good uh uh accountant or a good uh, uh you know cfo you know somebody that that really yeah. can can help you uh, analyze your numbers uh will make a huge difference for you and it, to me it, it, every dollar do you invest in that it pays off you get a higher amount of deductions you're accounting for things properly you're not uh, uh, capitalizing things that should not be capitalized that yeah. should have been expensed. Uh, you're capturing uh, your expenses properly. Uh, you're, in essence, uh, one of the areas that I know that you and I work a lot is in the area of uh, audit risk, uh, you know, yes. minimizing their exposure to audit risk, analyzing those numbers before you get a, a notice from the IRS telling you, you know, you're going to be audited. Uh, I share with you experiences I have had and why they get audited. You know what I mean? And, and one of the areas and one of the cases that I, I share with you was, uh, you know, an individual that had a high amount of re, uh, repairs. You know, the end result was was uh, we were able to get uh, the, the positive result for this taxpayer, but could have been prevented yeah. by simply properly classifying uh, the, the large amount of expenditures uh, that was shown as repairs and again somebody with a good uh, understanding about real estate real estate accounting would have probably most likely uh, prevented this and avoided the unnecessary uh, audit yeah and and this is the stuff we've talked about where there's a big difference between when people expect an accountant or a CPA firm to do a bookkeeping but then you know what we really focus on is our you know, providing the the monthly or quarterly specific reviews where we actually are analyzing the numbers, we're telling our, you know, the business owner, our real estate, uh, you know, investor, this is what the numbers are saying. This is something funny or not funny, or is this, this is an opportunity. This is a challenge. This is, is this truly all what you're saying it is? Can we look at a few documents, you know, just to make sure we're categorizing things in the right places? And that's because, we want to protect and support our, our clients and make sure they are they never have to be audited. We want to make sure we're protecting them. Yeah. And listen, uh, if you get audited uh, by itself, it's not a, a, it's not a bad, bad thing, sign, but it is audit proofing. 
and that that is the the area that we then help you is 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 you know yes we want to mitigate to bring that audit risk low, low but also audit proofing you know what i mean and that is the documentation yeah. that you and i have talked to multiple times you know what i mean having important. that documentation that if in fact you'd have to incur those large amount of repairs and there are repairs and we're not going to capitalize it then you know right. don't don't cheat yourself i know yeah. you know i'm afraid of an audit so let me move it to capitalize why it is an it's a repair so it is properly sure. classified repairs just make sure you have documentation that what a smart uh, uh cfo will go and say no 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 it, it is repaired but let's make sure that we have everything uh to back it up absolutely that's what the investment should be do not cheat yourself uh because uh, you're now afraid that, that you're going to get audited yeah absolutely absolutely all the documentation is properly set up and, and ready to go should anything arise and and that kind of you know and that's kind of natural to us because we both started our careers in, in auditing. So right. that's kind of how we think at, at all times. You know, we're always making sure all documents are, are ready. Um, even when we're doing bookkeeping, we're always questioning, you know, asking the, the business owner, so what was this about? You know, send us the receipt or send us a die, especially when it's a big, big, big chunk of change. Right. Um, and of course, depending on the type of service that we're doing and the level of service. But um, anything that's uh, outside of the norm is always cool. We question it. We just can't help ourselves. We, we were auditors forever. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, well, we've gone a little bit over our 30 minutes, uh, you know, but this was such an exciting uh, conversation and um, we did cover a lot of great, great information. Thank you, Pedro. This was really great. I think our, our you know, our, our audience enjoyed it and I've, I've had a few notes here. Very good info, Pedro. Um, you know, everybody's enjoying it. We've got some loves and likes. Thank you so much for the the, uh, the the love and and thank you for the support we re really appreciate it um and um so with that uh you know we'll just uh, go ahead and say we'll see you next week but before that you know um always i want to leave you with you know just remember uh, who are the top five people that you're surrounding with your yourself with um you know always make sure you surround yourself with people that support you and help you grow and and do better every time and we hope that the both of us are the two of the five people that you are surrounding yourself with. So with right. that, we'll see you next Thursday with the normal schedule, yep. January 27th. Goodbye, everyone. Okay. Take care.